I'm sorry. It's my fault. I've only been doing this 36 years. I'm sorry. Uh, Luke 22, my fault, Blake. I had it turned on mute, and uh, I appreciate that good song. I want to finish well. I, I want to finish well. I don't want to just run well. I want to finish well. What a great, great challenge. And uh, Luke chapter 22, I, uh, I uh, wish I could uh, emphasize how important it is for every person to listen this morning. I, I really... I really believe that this uh, truth, that this passage of Scripture uh, can help a lot of people. If you're going through a trial today, or you're going through a challenge, or, or a change in life, changes in life are difficult. Uh, it's difficult when our children are born and we make those adjustments. Then about the time we get used to it, we have to give them away and change again. And uh, life is filled with changes and filled with challenges. And uh, going from those teen years to adult, uh, when you're working uh, your own job, paying your own bills, you're facing temptation like you haven't before. Uh, you have freedom of choice. And, and uh, th th those are difficult challenges. And in addition to that, Satan desires to have us. Satan does desire to destroy our lives. And the wording of these uh, verses are more than we would most likely read. Uh, he read it as he always does and as we would read the scripture. But if you could imagine being there with them when the Lord Jesus says uh, to Simon, he says, Simon, Simon. Now when does someone say your name twice or Use both your first name and middle name. I always knew I was in trouble when, mom, when my mom said Jeffrey Joe. Boy, that Joe, that, that, that means you're in trouble. Uh, you better pay attention. He says, Simon, Simon, and then he uses the word behold. And, and he says, I want your attention. Please, uh, Simon, listen to me. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Here's what I believe happened. You remember when Satan met God in the book of Job in chapter 1 and he asked Satan where he had been and he said from going up and down in the earth to and fro and God said, have you considered my servant Job? Satan made an accusation. He said, no wonder he serves you. You blessed him so much. If you took that away, he would curse you. And God allowed Satan to bring trials in his life. I believe that's exactly what he's telling Simon. Hey, Simon, the devil asked if he could have you. And then he says in verse number 32, But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Faith is a victory that overcomes the world. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I want to... I want to. Uh, get you with a little bit of a alarm this morning as I give you the title of the message, Satan Desires to Have You. Heavenly Father, help me as I preach this morning. I hunger to be a blessing. Lord, I have labored long and hard in preparing this message. I work and I pray in every sermon that I prepare. But Lord, this has been a difficult, difficult sermon Lord, to finish the preparation. It was difficult to sleep last night. Lord, and how the devil has fought preaching because I believe 
that this message is going to help everybody who will listen to it. Give me your power, I pray. My faith, Lord, I thank you for it. It is in you, and I'm glad that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. May we go away in victory today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you five statements from this passage or these two verses of Scripture. First of all, I want to say we see the plea of Satan. I want you to think about that. Satan hath desired to have you. Brings a little bit of fear, doesn't it? I believe it was three or four weeks ago we got a notice from the sheriff about a man that had threatened to disturb church services and uh, the sheriff sent to our security folks a picture of this individual. And when I saw the email and I saw the person, it brought a little fear, it just, just a little concern. And I appreciate our security folks and the good job they do all the time. And that gentleman was arrested this past week, I believe, in New York, uh, where he was arrested. And there was a relief just to know, just this one guy, and, and, and they said it was overheard of him saying they was going to harass churches. Now, I don't know about you, that bothers me a little bit, but that's not near what God is saying to Simon Peter here when he says, Satan is out after you. I don't know about you, that brings a lot of fear. It makes me want to run to the Lord and just stay there and not wander away. I mean, that makes me want to be like the little baby chicks are when the storm's coming. I'm headed to the mother hen. I want to be covered uh, uh, under the wings of God. He says, Satan hath desired to have you. A wolf does not crave blood any more than the devil craves to destroy God's people. This is he that entered the Garden of Eden. And with lies and deception caused Adam and Eve to sin. That's who's after you and I this morning. This is he who is described in the book of Job as going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. This is he that the Lord calls the prince of the world. Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 10 he says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And then he says in that verse number 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, uh, of darkness. Uh, and, and he talks about the evil. This is who he's talking about, and he wants to destroy our lives. This is he that John speaks of and calls him the accuser of the brethren. Peter refers to him as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That, that's the purpose of that lion to live, to seek prey that he could devour, to live on. The, the, the lion doesn't seek to kill, he seeks to destroy and that's what Satan is seeking in our lives today. He is a powerful enemy. He's the enemy who overthrew King David. He is the enemy that brought Peter to the place of denying Christ. The devil is so brass, he is so bold that even when Christ was led of the Spirit, Matthew chapter 4 and repeated again in Luke chapter 4, when he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness, to spend that time, 40 days of prayer and fasting, 
before he would enter into his earthly ministry, 40 days of prayer and fasting, it was there that Satan himself came trying to destroy the very Son of God. Now, you know, if he is going to attack Jesus, he's certainly going to come after a weaker prey like us. So first of all, we have a great alarm. We have something to be concerned about. Sometimes we say, well, it's just personality. Or sometimes I just don't feel good. And sometimes that's true. But the truth is, folks, we have an enemy that wants to destroy our lives. He wants to destroy our marriage. He wants to destroy the home. He wants to destroy the church. He is wreaking havoc in our nation right now. And how sad it is to, have, to see him having free course. I'm glad this morning that I don't have to be destroyed by the hands of the devil. I want you to notice not only the plea of Satan, I want you to notice the process of, of, of sifting. Look at verse number 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Now this is an Old Testament figure of speech where the Lord Jesus is borrowing that phrase when he talks about the divine judgment to come upon Assyria and God said that he would sift the nations. Sifting is for the purpose of separating the good from the bad. I, uh, when I was a boy, my grandmother made biscuits. She did that most every morning. If you went into the uh, kitchen early in the morning, she would be uh, preparing to make biscuits. She had her bowl that she uh, made the biscuits in. And, and, uh, and, and I would uh, I'd always ask if I could do the, the sifter. Anybody ever do that? You hold that container and turn that. And it, it seemed like it was snowing when I did it. Flour went everywhere. My grandmother can do it and, and not make a mess. And then she would put lard and, and uh, buttermilk and all the stuff in there that make good. I don't mean to make you hungry. Well, I just got sidetracked awful bad right there. And, uh, but, but that sift and, and, and that flour sometimes would have little, little rocks or little grain, just, just small things. And, but it would separate that good from the bad. Uh, the good is kept and the bad is discarded. The Bible says in the book of Amos, For lo, I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations, like as corn is sifted in a sieve, yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. And so he's using that phrase. He said, Simon, he, he doesn't want to just hurt you. He wants to tear your life apart. Now, folks, we've all been at that place where we know that Satan is out to devour us and to destroy us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically in every way. Now, the aim of Satan's sifting is opposite to that of the Lord Jesus and the Savior's sifting. Everything that God is, Satan is the opposite of. God is love, Satan is hate. God is truth, Satan is a lie. God is good, Satan is evil. God wants to get rid of the chaff, Satan wants to get rid of the grain. Satan sifted Job. Job lost his family, he lost his friends, he lost his farm, he lost his finances, and he lost all of that in the devil's sifter, in the sieve of Satan. And the enemy's desire is to sift all of God's children. 
I think of Lot as he, as he wandered from Abraham and the Bible said that he made his decisions based on the appearance of things. The Bible said that he pitched his tent toward the well-watered plains of Sodom. He was just caring for himself. I want to tell you, dear friend, and you hear me well, you put the will of God first in your life. Don't you let the well-watered plain cause you to make a decision that is above and beyond the will of God. And the devil sifted Lot's life. His family was torn apart. That to literally pull them out of Sodom. And Lot and his wife coming out of that city, she even stopped and looked back and she was there turned into a hardened pillar of salt and they were separated. That's what Satan wants to do to us this morning. You see, the battles that we fight, they're, they're, they're not just a personality. They're not just emotional. They're not just weariness. They're not just an individual that you may think is upset at you or trying to hurt you. But dear friend, the devil himself is trying to sift us and tear us apart and ruin our lives. Now I want to point out third of all the purpose of the suffering. God can use the sifting if our faith in him is strong. I want you to look at verse number 33. And he said unto him, I, I, I'm sorry, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 26. I started reading Luke. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 26. This is the parallel passage of, uh, of, of this uh, same story as Matthew gives to us but the story in Matthew chapter 26. God does allow Satan to sift us, and he did with Job. Now, I want you to pay particular attention right here. Sometimes folks get angry at God, but God can use the difficult for our good. You recall that God did allow Satan to get at Job. Now, God limited Satan. I, I preached on this past Monday at the camp on the uh, 4th of July uh, that sometimes I, I'm bothered by the circumstance, I'm bothered by the evil of Satan and have to be reminded that the devil is like a dog on a chain. He may be a bad dog, but he can only go so far. God allowed Satan to bring trial and difficulty into Job's life to sift him, if you will, but for good. His suffering was for good. The same is true in Paul's life in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Bible said there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. He described it as the messenger of Satan to buffet me. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure. Three times he prayed and he asked the Lord to remove that thorn in the flesh. But God did something far better than take away the difficulty. God gave him the grace to bear the difficulty. And not just that difficulty, but difficulties that were to come in his life. And Paul concluded that God's grace is sufficient. When we come to this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 26, we find out why and what's going on in uh, Simon's life. Notice uh, Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 31. 
Then saith Jesus unto them. Now this is just after they had the Passover meal together. Uh, he says in verse 29, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this uh, fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new, uh, new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, And ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, that's a reference to the Old Testament, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Now look at verse number 33. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Peter thought he was better than every other Christian. Peter thought he was better than anybody else. Peter thought uh, everybody else, everybody else may deny you. I would never do that. Peter had too much confidence in his own strength. He had too much pride in his own ability. And he thought he was superior to others. And sometimes God brings the sifting or God brings the trials into our life because he does want to separate the good from the bad and take the bad from our lives. Are you with me this morning? When folk get to the place that they esteem themselves as one who cannot fall, Friend, we are in trouble. We need to be careful when victories come and when blessings come that we not get so confident in the victory and blessing to think uh, that I'm super Christian, I'm a superhero, and I would never fall. Simon said, no. He said, others may deny you. Others may be offended. He later said, I'll die for you. It's interesting. Uh, Jesus said to him, I, I don't want you to die for me. I want you to pray with me in an hour. Isn't it something what we will sacrifice on the altar of a promise for the future? Just so I don't have to serve God today, I'll promise to give him the rest of my life starting in 20 years. And Peter said, Peter said I'll die with you. He said, I just want you to pray with me one hour. I hate the fact that I have to sometimes go through the sifter. I hate the fact that sometimes I have to go through the suffering. I don't like spiritual warfare. I don't like it at all. I don't like spending most of a night in prayer. You against praying? No, I'm not. I'm for praying, but I like doing it in the morning when the sun's shining and I'm drinking coffee. I, I, I don't like the spiritual warfare. But that does take me to my knees understanding that the devil is much stronger than me. Oh, thank God for the power of God that's within me. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Then I want you to notice, and I just absolutely love this. I want you to notice verse number 32. After he warns Peter and tells Peter, this is what, you, what, what you're going to face, and, and uh, this is what you're going to go through. And, and uh, then he says to him in verse number 32, but... I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Isn't it good to know that Jesus prays for us? You say, well, it says he prayed for Peter. Oh, dear friend, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that he's making intercession for you and for me. You know why? Because he knows that Satan is out to destroy your life 
teenager, the devil wants to destroy your life. Young married couple, the devil wants to destroy your life. And most of the time, what you are bothered about, what you are upset about, has nothing to do with the real problem. The real problem is Satan wants to ruin our lives. I want to say this morning, thank God that Jesus is praying for me. I want you to take your Bible and go to Romans chapter 8. I want you to look at it. You may need to open it and look at it uh, this week. And, and thank God that he is praying for us. I love John chapter 15, 16, and 17 as the Lord Jesus prays for us. Look at Romans chapter 8. I think of the story of a preacher I heard when I was a boy, a preacher by the name of Jim Head. And he not only would preach, he, could, he would write songs and would sing. And he told the story of a, of a man's wife who had died uh, as a young lady and left uh, her husband and one small boy. And he told the story about how uh, the funeral took place and it was such a very sad and difficult day. And they were comforted by the friends and comforted by the sermon and comforted by the songs at the, at the funeral. But uh, that night when they went home and, and uh, darkness fell and the dad put the little boy uh, in the bed across the hallway in his bedroom and he, and he put the covers up around the boy and he kissed the boy and he told him good night as he walked out the door. He turned the light switch off. He went into his room and he got ready for bed. He turned his light off and he heard a faint voice of the little boy say, Daddy, I'm afraid. And he said this. He said, Daddy, it's so dark I can't see. Then he asked this question. Daddy, is your face turned toward me? And the father said to his son, he said, son, I'm looking right toward you. And the boy went to sleep. You know what Romans 8.26 says? Romans 8.26 says, when it's so dark that you can't see, please know that the Lord Jesus is in heaven making intercession for us. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray. Boy, I've been there, haven't you? Sometimes I just get on my knees and I say, Lord, I, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to say. I, 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 don't, I don't understand this. I sure am glad you do. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. I love this. With groanings which cannot be uttered. The Lord Jesus said, I'm praying for you. Can I say this morning, the Lord Jesus is praying for you in your trial as Satan is trying to ruin your faith in him. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The word advocate carries us into heaven's courtroom where God is the judge of all judges, sits on the throne. And as Christians, we don't have to face a judge alone. I love how Daniel Webster defined the word advocate. He said, an advocate in its primary sense signifies one who's one who pleads the cause of another in a court of civil law. I'm glad that he is our advocate. Let, let, let me show you another verse. Take your Bible and go to Hebrews. 
Hebrews chapter 4. These are verses you want to mark down because these are verses that will help you in the night time. These are verses that will help you in the darkness and the challenge when the devil, and you, you just can't tell heads from tail. You can't tell up from down. And, and as Solomon said, I don't, I don't have the wisdom to go in or out. These verses will help guide us. Notice what he says in Hebrews 4 and verse number 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, let me give you the last thing, and that's the priority of service. There's a reason. There's a reason for this suffering. There's a reason that God allowed Job. There's a reason that God allowed Peter to go through this great trial, this great testing, this great temptation of their faith. Here's what Jesus said. If you'll look back at our text, he said in verse number 32, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now he's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about when you go from being so, so independent you don't need God to the place that you realize you do need God. When you're converted, you tell others what happened to you. When you're converted, strengthen the brethren. I love this. Jesus is already... I want you to look at this now. Jesus is already looking beyond Peter's failure to see Peter's success and the trial hasn't even started. Now does that help you? That helps me. God said he's getting ready to go through the fire. But I know he's going to make it through the fire. I prayed for him. He's going to make it through the fire and then he said, Peter, when you're converted, when you come out of the fire, strengthen the brethren. And he says in and he says in verse 32, he's talking about the victory before the trial starts. You talk about being on the winning side, friend. That's on the winning side. Now that ought to give us a confidence. That ought to give us a faith. That ought to give us an encouragement to say, if God believes in me, I can believe in the faith that God has placed in my life for him. Isn't it interesting? When Jesus met the women in the garden, after his resurrection, he said in Mark 16, 7, But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter. He didn't name any of the disciples. He said, you tell the one that went through the fire. By the way, came time for Pentecost. Multiplied thousands are there. Guess who's chosen to preach? The fellow that's been through the fire. The fellow that came out on the other side with great faith in God. Peter? <laughs> this fellow that cursed and denied me at the time of the crucifixion. This fellow that turned his back on me and said he didn't even know me. You see, you have to understand, he was going through the fire. I'm glad God judges me better than men judge me. By the way, I want to tell you something. When folks are going through the fire, try to help them through. 
Don't, don't try to hurt them through. Try to help them through. I mean, there are times that we ought to, we ought to uh, spend time in prayer for those that are hurting. And I know today there are folks that are struggling because they're going through the fire. They may say things they don't mean and don't want to say. They, they may do things that is not really them, but the fire has caused that. But when Peter came out on the other side, Peter was used mightily and greatly of, all, uh, of God and preaching at the day of Pentecost. I want to say this morning, if you're going through the fire, have faith in God. Peter preached many other sermons. He wrote the letters, first and second Peter. <laughs> He's the one that said, now be sober, be vigilant. Yeah, but share the devil walking about a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I know what I'm talking about, Peter said. You know what he did? He strengthened the brethren. When John doubted Christ in the prison and he sent his disciples to go ask Jesus if he was the Christ or should they look for another, the very forerunner of the Lord Jesus, asked the question, is he really the Christ, the one that I've been telling everybody, behold the Lamb of God, is he really the Christ? You know what Jesus said of him? Go tell John. The blind receive the sight, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And by the way, before you go, I want you to know that there hasn't been a greater preacher of the gospel than John. You know what he was saying? John's going through the fire. Ah, but I'm praying for him. John's going to make it through on the other side. Of course, John was beheaded and his days and work were over and he entered into glory and his a great reward. I want to say to you today, dear friend, you, you may be going through a tough time. and Don't be mad at people. Don't be mad at things and circumstances. Satan has desired to have you. It's a spiritual battle. And we can win. Stand with me if you will. You're going through a sifting today. Have faith in God. You're going through a sifting today. Hold strong to the word of God. Let the Psalms be as songs in the midnight hours. Have faith in God. Heavenly Father, I pray that this truth, this simple story recorded in just two verses here, it says so much to us. Lord, I think sometimes we, we don't think about how strong and how serious our adversary the devil is. Lord, we need to be praying for teenagers that are struggling through the difficult challenges of life. We need to be praying for young couples and young ladies and young men we need to be encouraging and helping them as Jesus encouraged us. And he encouraged them, may we encourage others. Thank you, Lord, there's victory in you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior today. I don't ask this often, and I don't ask today to embarrass anyone, but I wonder if there's anyone here today, you've never received Christ as Savior you know you should. You know you should trust Christ. And you'd raise your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me that I would trust Christ as my Savior. Would you put your hand up and say, Preacher, pray for me. Is there anyone like that? I never received Christ. I know I should. I want to ask you one other question. I wonder how many would say, Preacher, I understand what it means to go through the fire. 
and go through the sifting. I want you to pray for me that God will help me to come out on the other side victorious like Peter did and like John did. Would you raise your hand as testimony of that and say, pray for me that I'd make it through to the other side. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and strength. And Lord, help us to hold on to our faith in you. And may the word of God be our strength and our comfort. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The altar is open as he sings on the